you run your own freelance business? Or maybe you're thinking about picking up some business on the side. Well, then you need FreshBooks. FreshBooks is the quickest and easiest way to get invoices out to your clients. It's easy to use. It works anywhere, available from any device, uh, on the desktop, iPhone, iPad, Android, and all of your data is backed up and secure. And it makes it really easy to get organized and get paid. You'll be tracking time, logging expenses, and invoicing your clients in no time. You can also save time billing, freeing up several days per month to focus on the work that you love, and you get paid faster. FreshBooks customers are paid on average five days faster because there's a link on the invoice that says pay me now. And it's a great way to grow your business. Plus, FreshBooks is offering a 30-day trial. That's right, 30-day trial if you try them out. So go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. Once again, for a 30-day trial, go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 245 of the Freak Show. Today on our panel, we have Andrew Madsen. Hello from Salt Lake City. Erica Sadoon. Hello from Denver. Guy Rambo. Hello from Brazil. So today we're going to talk about marzipan. And I know what you all are thinking, you know, what, what is better? Is it better on a cake? Is it better as a, a candy? Like how, how is marzipan? Like what's the best way to eat marzipan? So how long have we talked about this? This is a great question. And I, when I think of marzipan, I think of princess cake with, you know, the marzipan on the outside. And I know I've heard people say, well, princess cake is an acquired taste because of the marzipan. But here's the thing I don't get. Every time I've ever eaten marzipan, I've just thought it was delicious. And I don't understand why anybody would, you know, have a strong dislike for it. Anybody who dislikes marzipan either has an almond allergy or has something deeply wrong with with their taste buds. Yeah. So I get the almond allergy part, you know, but that's that's not really their fault. So... But the true one way to have marzipan is in what's called rainbow cakes, otherwise known as seven-layer cookies. They are just the best and most ultimate way of eating marzipan in a food product, and I cannot recommend them highly enough. I don't so it's settled. Let's get to the picks. Thanks for all coming. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Do you have a marzipan favorite, James? I don't think I've ever actually had marzipan, even though I love sugar and almonds. Yeah, me either. You, but you live in the Midwest, don't they have Kringles there? Kringles, I've probably had it. I, I don't, I can't, I just can't think of it. Oh, okay. What do they do for marzipan in Brazil? I have no idea. Uh, the first time I heard the word marzipan was with the rumors about the Apple project. <laughs> Wait, Apple project? What are you talking about? Yeah. Me? Yeah, it's an Apple thing. Oh, okay. Um, well, tell us more. <laughs> so marzipan is basically the compatibility layer that they invented to bring UI kit apps, so iOS apps to the Mac. So marzipan, UI kit apps on macOS. This is something that, you know, we've been joking around, but, but of course we all know it was rumored several months ago. Rumored and then... You know, rumored by, uh, well, 9to5Mac reported on it, Mark Gurman reported on it, and it was kind of like, it's a sure thing. And then some people some people that are prominent, John Gruber, I think, first among them said, no, it's not happening, or it, it, it doesn't even mean what everybody thinks it means. 
And now we're back to, oh, actually, it is happening, and it means exactly what everybody thought it meant. (laughs) But it's not this year. But it's not this year. It's next year. So that was And they announced it at the keynote. Yeah, so that that was a big deal, right? This they they announced something at the keynote that's a developer technology and they said up front this is not coming until next year and everybody has assumed that means WWDC next year, so a full year later. Why do you think they did that, Guy? I think they needed to get this stuff running in as many computers as possible because they need to validate the solution. I'm pretty sure they've been working on this for a long time because it's not a small thing. It's a big project. So they decided to dog food it and do it with their own apps. Some of the, their apps like the stocks and news and home and voice memos. And they probably decided to deploy it to uh, as many computers as possible to test it very thoroughly before distributing it to third parties. And they wouldn't be able to do it without us figuring out, basically, because it, it's very clear that those are iOS apps running on the Mac. But when you look at it, when you go into macOS Mojave, I have to stop saying macOS Mojito, although I prefer that name. Um, <laughs> when you go in, it doesn't look like an iOS app. You go in there, it looks like a pretty standard Mac app that's linking to some freaky frameworks. So what makes it an iOS app? Well, the whether it looks like an iOS app or not, it depends on the app itself and it depends on what you expect from a Mac app. I'd say the home app specifically is very much iOS-like, even running on the Mac. It displays many iOS UI components, including alerts and form sheets and stuff like that. So I really feel like it depends on the implementation, whether the app will look like an iOS app. What makes it an iOS app is the fact that they are linking against UIKit. So uh, we are iOS developers, and I think our audience is mainly iOS developers. So when you make an iOS app, you link with the UIKit framework, which provides all of the table views and buttons and labels and all that cool stuff. And what Apple has done with this project is they brought UIKit to the Mac. So And they actually split UIKit. UIKit is not this single framework anymore. They actually extracted the core functionality of UIKit into a new framework called UIKit Core, which is now available on both the Mac and iOS. I, I wonder about that. So why do you think they split it into multiple frameworks and you know what are the what are the roles of those different frameworks? I guess they decided to keep all of the functionality that's shared between all UIKit platforms. So those are now all of Apple's platforms, the Mac, the the watch, the TV, and, and iPhones and iPads. So they probably decided to join everything that's common to all platforms into UIKit Core and keep that together as a single project and implement the platform differences on top of that. So on tvOS, that would be the focus stuff. And on the Mac, it, that would be the mouse and keyboard handling code. 
So UIKit Core is basically the same. It aims to be the same across all platforms, while UIKit uh, has some stuff on top to support specific platform features. But this is transparent to the developers, so you still use UIKit as you would, and UIKit Core is abstracted away. It's a private framework. Speaking as someone who has worked on the TV, I am so relieved by this move, whether it goes to Mac or not, because you're programming in UIKit and then half of UIKit isn't there. And it is just so frustrating when you're doing Apple TV app that you're not presented with the entire UIKit and being able to take it and comprise down to the core and you know what's in there is going to be in there on every platform, I think that's a wonderful step forward. And I don't think that one part is getting enough attention. Yeah, it's an interesting move. And we have that issue now, which is when you look at documentation for some of the frameworks, including UIKit, you have to look at the the little sidebar thing uh, in the documentation to see which platforms that API supports, uh, which sometimes it's all of them. Sometimes it's available on iOS, but not tvOS and vice versa. So it makes the reading the documentation a little tricky. So what's this T thing? And I'm not talking about Mr. T with the mohawk. And I'm not talking about... Oh, I guess you guys won't get it, but if you read Stormlight Archives, there's Mr. T, a different one, who is an evil villain, a Taravingian guy. What is this T? Why are we seeing T? T is everywhere. Well, uh, that's actually very interesting. Um, I haven't looked into it too much. Some people have looked into it more than I have. But there are some new frameworks uh, which are being used, by, especially by the News app which are, I think that's uh, T-Core and T-UI and, and T as in the, the beverage. And I've seen some people speculate on Twitter that that could be a precursor for the rumored declarative UI framework because it's all Swift, apparently. So yeah, those are some private UI frameworks that Apple is using for some of their apps. And they they are... Still very mysterious. Well, it's maybe a tangent, but I've been thinking about it lately. So there, ha- there was this uh, rumored declarative UI framework that John Gruber talked about and said that it, he thinks it's coming next year, where it would be a whole new UI framework written in Swift, declarative instead of the imperative style that we're all used to, maybe something more like React or React Native. But what's the strategy there? Because why, why make this major effort to bring UIKit to the Mac if you're just going to replace UIKit and presumably AppKit on both platforms shortly thereafter. I mean, that's assuming that it's true. Well, first of all, we don't know if the rumored framework is going to actually replace anything. It could be just another option, just like they introduced the TV UIKit framework uh, this year for tvOS, which is basically a collection of, of uh, controls that have been used for TVML apps, which are not, now available for native apps as, as well. So we we don't know if it's necessarily going to replace what we have now. And we actually don't know if it's going to be 
a brand new thing or something that's going to work on top of UIKit, which would make it even more important for there to be a UIKit on Mac because then you can use this new declarative framework for all platforms, including the Mac. So uh, my guess is that it's probably working on top of UIKit somehow. So it's just not necessarily an abstraction. I don't think that's the correct word for it, but some layer on top of UIKit. I, I personally, as a, as a longtime AppKit developer, somebody who's done way more AppKit than UIKit and has been doing it longer and, and likes AppKit, doesn't think it's 100% worse than UIKit, I wasn't, I'm, I not that, I'm, I'm not that excited about Marzipan. Like it's not something, at least immediately for me personally as a developer, because I already write Mac apps and I have no problem doing so. That said, a declarative UI framework, something new like that sounds really cool. So I'm hoping it's true. And they're hiring, aren't they? Apps yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, but sometimes the, their job offers can review some, some projects, um, because I found job posting on their website and it was something like bridging the gap between Swift and UI libraries. And it required the experience with functional reactive programming. So it was very, much like, hey, we are hiring for the declarative UI framework team, <laughs> but in other words, basically. Well, I'm excited if, if that actually happens, and that will be a fun show to do next year if that's when they announce it. I'm extremely intrigued as well, but I want to find out more because I know that you have at least one of your iOS apps actually running on a Macintosh. So, could you give us the dummy's guide to how you accomplished this and what were the steps that you had to take and how close are you to destroying your Mac by doing this? <laughs> well, not that close to destroying your Mac. Uh, you, you have There are two things you have to modify on your Mac to be able to run these apps yourself. So the, the built-in apps you can run just normally, the news app and the stocks app, those are regular Mac apps that you can run as a normal user. But if you want to try it on your own and make your own Marzipan apps, uh, you have to do two things. You have to disable SIP, which is System Integrity Protection, which will allow you to modify your system in dangerous ways, let's say. And you have to enable a boot argument on your kernel which basically tells the code signing system to ignore invalid code signatures because running to, to have the, the system run a new iKit app, that app has to have a specific entitlement and it's a private entitlement that Apple is not issuing for third parties yet because it's not available to third parties. And so you have to basically inject a fake code signature in your binary and the system is only going to allow that to run if you disable code signing checking. So it's I am it's shocked, dangerous. I tell you. I am shocked that you are doing this. I think I'm going to go and swoon in the corner that, that you are doing such dangerous things. <laughs> yeah, there's a fine line between running your app and ruining your app. <laughs> yeah. So um, how did you compile? 
So I used something someone else made. I did it manually at first and it, it worked. But fortunately, there are people who are much more clever than me and they made some cool tools to, to help with that. I don't remember the name, unfortunately, but we're going to find the link to put in the show notes. But there's a tool that's basically you can think of it as an, a template for Xcode. So it's a project that's already configured to build against the, the correct libraries and stuff. And you can just bring your own code to that project and build it. Uh, that's how I made my app Chibi Studio run on the Mac. But uh, our friend Steve Troughton-Smith actually made very cool tool that's called Merzipanify. <laughs> and it basically takes a binary built for the iOS simulator and turns it into a marzipan binary, which can be run on the Mac. And to clarify, the Macintosh and the iOS devices do not share binary compatibility. They're different chipsets, right? Yeah, correct. So when you build for the, the iOS device, you're building for ARM64. And when you're building for Mac, you're building for uh, x86-64 Intel. And so you can't just grab a application that was meant for an iOS device and just start running it on your Mac. That's not going to work. You would need, at the minimum, a simulator build. Yeah, exactly. So you need you either need to have your own source code or you have to have a simulator build of the app. So are people starting to develop a simulator build network to sell or share their simulator versions? That would be really cool, actually. Uh, I, I hope people do that. I remember someone talking about maybe having some sort of distribution uh, thing for apps on the iOS simulator. So basically a simulator app store of sorts before the, the Marzipan thing uh, came out. So maybe someone's going to devise some solution for distribution of these apps before Apple does the official SDK next year. So what do you want to see running on the Mac that is currently limited to iOS. Netflix and YouTube. Why do you think an <laughs> iOS app was better than just the website for those two specifically? Um, it's hard to explain, but I have a natural dislike for web interfaces. They feel clunky for me most of the time. Even Me too times a million. I, I, <laughs> yeah. I've never met a web app that I really loved. Yeah, so I, I think it's less pronounced with Netflix. I think their UI, uh, the web UI is fine. It's better than the most. But especially YouTube, watching, using the YouTube app on, on iPad is for me at least way better an experience than using the website on the Mac. And if I could use the iPad app on my Mac, I'd be fine with it. For me, I'm interested in games. There are so many games that you can imagine would be running beautifully on the Mac. And Mac native games tend to be so 
problematic. Either you have to go through Steam or, you know, you try to find something interesting in the Mac App Store. And it th- this is a such a vibrant sector on iOS that just really isn't there for the Macintosh. And I assume that if they're doing this correctly, that the apps are going to be able to hook into metal and other things like that for the right kind of responsiveness. Yeah, I haven't tried a Sprite kit or a Scene kit app. What happens is you are using when when you build against the the UI kits, the iOS libraries, you're using a subsystem that's installed on your Mac in slash system slash iOS support. So that directory contains a, a complete iOS subsystem with some of the frameworks. But if you use something like, let's say, car location, you are actually using the, the Mac version, which is basically the same as the iOS version. So I'm not sure how that works for the, the gaming stuff. I haven't tried that yet. But yeah, I'm sure they are going to make that work for the official SDK. And I'd love to have like something like Crossy Road on my Mac. Oh, we forgive you. <laughs> but if you've ever gone and just browsed in the App Store on the Macintosh, it can be very lonely in there. Very and sad. I know that I've reached like the top 10 apps on the Mac store with sales of like seven or eight per day. I it, can it, confirm. Uh, it happened I, to me as well. I can confirm the same thing. It's, it's a really lonely place. And so suddenly Marzipan comes along and it makes e-commerce going onto the Macintosh suddenly makes sense. And we're going to have to see how sandbox things are and what kind of privileges are available. But it seems to me that if you're writing these iOS apps and it can run on iOS and it can run on your Mac and so forth, that maybe Mac development won't be the dead end that it currently is. And I'm saying that specifically for you, Andrew. <laughs> yeah, I mean this this is a really interesting thing because there there are there are sort of two competing goals here I think in some ways. There's we want more developers on the Mac, we want more apps on the Mac and I think that's a completely worthy goal and I, as a Mac user I agree. On the other hand there's we want Mac apps to be the best they can be and that's the part I'm not convinced about. I don't think iOS apps shoehorned onto the Mac are likely to be as good as as the the Mac apps that I love, and there are you know, my very favorite software in the world is native Mac applications that are done really well for the Mac. It's why I'm a programmer. Mm-hmm. And the, I'm not disagreeing. And the and sort of the the justification I've heard from a lot of people just in the community as well. It's better than Electron, which is what we're getting now. We're getting all these Electron apps, Slack, and the the Skype app that we're using right now, and, and all kinds of others. And and you know, I, and I agree. I'd rather have a native, uh, you know, a native iOS app on the Mac than an Electron app that's terrible and sucks up memory and doesn't support any of the Mac uh, UI conventions. But it's still like a halfway fix. And so, I, I guess what I'm saying is, I want to see how it pans out. As a developer, I'm not that excited about it. As a as a user, I'm kind of excited about it because I hope it does. It, I hope it does improve the situation. But what I would love even more is a brand new unified framework that's kind of built from the ground up to be for for the Mac and for iOS and to to 
you know, make it so that we can create apps that are excellent iOS apps and excellent Mac apps without big compromises. And maybe that's what UIKit on macOS will turn into. I don't know. I hope it does. I hope it does too. I don't think it's there right now because it's, it's putting up iOS alert views and, you know, picker views and stuff that really things that just don't make sense on the Mac. And, and then there are, there are also things right now that I don't think you can support even if you want to, like menu bar items and Apple script support and drag and drop. Well, <laughs> drag and drop maybe works, but. Well, we can um, talk about the, uh, what's support and, and what's not supported. I think that's uh, interesting. So you mentioned uh, menus and that's actually supported. So they added API on top of UI kits to handle menu items well to, um, to, to be clear i wasn't talking about the regular menu bar with file and edit and all of that i meant menu bar like uh it's ns status item in in app kit but the yeah but, 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 what, but what Guy just said is really cool because if it's on the mac if they've built that into the mac maybe that will go back to your ipad and remember a lot of people are using their ipads as their main machine these days and they're doing it with touch and a keyboard yeah yeah, so you have menus and you have toolbars as well. You you can actually, when by default, uh, I'm not sure what happens with the home app, but by default, if you show a, an UI alert controller, it actually shows a Mac alert as a, a sheet on your window. So I'm not sure what happens in the home app to, for it to show the iOS style alert. I think that that's probably something that they're going to fix. You can have translucent sidebars, which are a Mac thing now. But I think the main issues for now are that you can't have multiple windows. And also you can't mix app kits and, and UI kits uh, in, in the way that people would probably like to do. So if you want to have, a, let's say, uh, you have your main UI kit app that, brought from iOS, but you have want to add a feature on top of that that's built with AppKit, that's currently not possible. Do you think that's something, I mean, I know, I know you don't know, of course, but speculating, do you think that's something that Apple is likely to change? I mean, I, some of those things to me are very important. Like one of the reasons I don't like the Slack Mac app is because it doesn't support multiple windows. I'm in like mm, 12 different teams right now. And Sometimes I want to be able to keep an eye on two at once, and but I can't really. I have to switch back and forth because they've gone single window on the thing. I like Mac apps that support multiple windows, you know, and I like there are app kit controls that I think work really well on the Mac that don't have a direct analog on, on UI kit. So what do you think? I think there's precedent for, the, for them to do that because they've done lots of API already uh, that's specific to the Mac and it's built into UI kit. So I, I can definitely see them adding like UI window controller, for instance, to, to have multiple windows. So I, I think that that's there that's already are, you know, when you use external screens, you can have multiple windows. Yeah, but there's not. Yeah, of course, iOS apps can have multiple windows, but there isn't a construct like UI window controller like you have on the yeah. Mac and S controller. So I think that's something that, that's going to be necessary for that to work very well on the Mac. And I think uh, it's definitely possible that they're going to do that. And I think the 
bridging the, the, the two, AppKit and UIKit, is a possibility. But that, I'm not so sure they're going to do. I certainly hope so. But uh, we'll have to wait and see. There are a couple of things that really concern me about this transition. The first is that many developers aren't even using UIKit for their iOS apps. They're using some sort of cross-platform system that gets them Android and iOS so that they can go to both systems and they'll be cut out. Unless they go to native UIKit, I assume that they will not be um, able to. Actually, I'm pretty sure someone has already done a part of React Native for the the Marzipan thing. So at least React Native apps will work. Yeah, but that that's React Native does use UIKit. It's abstracted away, at least for the most part, from the developer. But React Native puts things on the screen using UIKit. And some of the other cross-platform toolkits are fundamentally doing the same thing. A lot of them use WebViews, but presumably WK WebView is available to Marzipan apps just the same as it is on iOS. Yeah, as it is. UI WebView is not, but WK <laughs> WebView is. The other part is SpriteKit, which I have, this has just been a very SpriteKit week for me. And Apple really has to think about how they're going to move towards vector graphics because pixel graphics just aren't going to cut it on nice big Mac screens. Even though SpriteKit is native to OS X, or Mac OS as it's called now, even though there's a native implementation, you can sort of get away with using their current asset system, but the asset system hasn't really been updated for full vectorization. And because of this, you can't really create sprite kits you can't really create sprite sheets and have it completely vector-based yet. And so if you're going from, you know, an iPhone 6 screen all the way up to an iPad Pro, your graphics are going to suffer or you have to do a huge amount of workarounds to get that, you know, scaling to happen, especially to have it happen really nicely. And then when you get to the Mac, it you know, just throw that out completely because the attempts that Apple has made to deal with its different screen configurations with the asset sizes and the compact and regular qualities and things like that, they just don't scale to huge, you know, 30-inch screens, multiple 30-inch screens and so forth. And unless you just want some toy widgets, and I assume that Marzipan, the vision for it is going to be more than just toy widgets, then the infrastructure that supports those visual scales has to come along. Yeah, I assume they're going to add new, I don't know, size classes or something like that for the Mac. We can't really know that because we don't have access to the SDK, so... We can expect the environments, development environments for Marzipan apps to be a lot more friendly when it comes out next year because it's currently only being used by Apple themselves. 
and they might delay it. They said next year, but we know how those things go. <laughs> it could take more than that. So um, I would expect them to to work on that because yeah, you're right. You can't. You you don't want to necessarily handle a 10.5 inch iPad screen the same as you're going to handle a 27 inch iMac screen. So you have to think about that. This is all a bunch of really interesting stuff that I, you know, I, I know we'll find out more a year from now. And I, and I think the situation will be very different than what it is now. And, you know, what we're seeing on as we dig through this stuff that's not really supposed to be public yet. They said a lot of this sounds like stuff they need to do to app, to UIKit and to, to Marzipan to make it reach parity with, with stuff AppKit already does. Things like being able to design layouts and windows that resize all the way, which I, I know they have that working, but, and dealing with multiple windows and some of the other things we've talked about. AppKit's still around. AppKit actually got some decent updates this year. Dark mode being the biggest thing and APIs to support that interface builder support for NS Grid View, which is something I was actually quite excited about. What do you think is going to happen to AppKit in the long term? To be clear, Apple said in, in a session about, uh, I think in the State of the Union, or I don't remember, but they said at WWDC that they're not, I can't remember the exact phrasing, but it was, you know, they're not in any way de-emphasizing AppKit. But what do you think is going to happen to it long term? Have you heard of ProKit? So ProKit, for, for listeners that haven't heard of it, ProKit is a framework that's been around for quite a long time that is used by Apple's Pro apps like Final Cut Pro and Logic and has actually implemented what is essentially a dark mode for those apps for as long as I can remember. But it's it's an internal app, Apple framework that they've never released publicly. Yeah, so the uh, in fact, the entire uh, theming system that's used by the Mac today, by Mojave, to do the dark mode, it came out of ProKit, the entire Core UI project started there. So, so yeah, so Andrew uh, explained very well. And I think we, you, you can probably think of AppKit as it's kind of like the ProKit now because we are probably going to see simple apps, so consumption apps and ported apps using the UI kits framework on the Mac, but production apps, things like Sketch and Pixelmator and Photoshop, all of that stuff, using something on top of AppKit. So either AppKit directly or the, this new declarative thing, assuming it's going to support AppKit. But I really think that AppKit is going to last for a very long time still. And it's probably going, apps that are currently using AppKit are probably going to keep using it because, uh, as you said earlier, it's not that much harder as, as people make it seem like. It's not that difficult. And the result you get is still better and it's going to still feel more like a Mac app for the foreseeable future, I think. I think that's the ideal case. I, you know, I hope that's true. I would, I, not that I think AppKit's going to go away soon. After all, Apple has gobs and gobs of AppKit code out there, but, you know, I. Xcode. 
yeah, Xcode for 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 starters, but from everything else that comes with the with the OS as well. What but yeah, I don't think a, it's going to do a Karl Marx and you know the state and AppKit will wither away. I don't think that's going to happen. I hope not because I've got a lot of AppKit code too, and I'm I'm writing new AppKit code. You know, I have been writing new new AppKit code continuously for well for 13 years now. So I just like to keep it around. Save AppKit. Save AppKit. You'll see Andrew chained to <laughs> WWC sometime yeah, in the yeah. future. I should do it. It's yeah, picket. but we're it's... seeing the two platforms come closer and closer together. At what time do they start having babies? Yeah, I mean this this is a great question, right? Where we fe- it feels like we're moving to- toward that with Marzipan. It's felt like we've been moving toward that for for quite a long time because this is this is certainly a big and and kind of monolithic transfer from iOS to the Mac, but we've had lots of transfers of APIs and paradigms uh both ways. I mean, the iPad got a dock last year. Looks mm. almost exactly like the Mac's dock. And auto layout started on the Mac and then went to iOS and collection view and I mean real decent collection view started on iOS and then came to the Mac. And so we've seen that stuff happen before, but Yeah, but we're not seeing yet the touch Mac surface. No. And should we be, or is that a toaster fridge? I'm not very interested in that. I, I don't think I would use that, but I I'm not against that necessarily. For people who want it for some reason, let them have it. I'm just not going to use it. I don't see myself using it. I, To be completely transparent, I don't use my iPad all that often because <clears throat> most of the things I want to do, I can, can't do on the iPad or I can do better on the Mac, like developing, of course, being the big one. But, you know, but there are, I, I can think of some use cases where it makes a lot of sense. And that's basically anything that actually, actually anything that uses the Apple Pencil, not so much finger t- touch, but for, for certain kinds of art and drawing and, and whatever. Note taking. Super cool. Yeah. And note, t- I do. So I have used my iPad for note taking with Apple Pencil and it works really well and I love it. Do you have a big iPad or one of the smaller ones? I've got the 9.7 inch iPad Pro. So you've got the Core Pro. Yeah. Well, it's, dead now now it's the 10 10 well it works mine works fine they don't sell it anymore because they did the 10.5 inch or whatever it is now but yes but they just revised it in march didn't they i have the 9.7 inch which is the first small ipad pro now it's the 10.5 inch so it's a slightly different size than the current one Um, but yeah it's the smaller of the two pros and then my wife actually has Mm -hmm. the the big giant one which she uses exclusively for art and it's great the the one I'm talking about is not technically a pro. In March, they revised it, allowed it to have pencil support. Oh, right, right, right. So I'm talking about the actual 9.7-inch iPad Pro, which is older than mm-hmm. that one. And, Guy, you missed your great opportunity. It shouldn't be let them eat cake. It should be let them eat princess cake because we're talking about marzipan today. <laughs> I, I'm for it. So we're running a little bit low on time. We should get to the picks. Erica, what do you have for us? I am definitely going with rainbow cake. It is three layers of different brightly colored marzipan infused cake with raspberry in between, sometimes apricot, and it is enrobed in dark chocolate. I would say that is my marzipan pick for the week. That sounds pretty good. So you sent a picture and one of it was green. What was going on with the green layer of the cake? It's just food coloring. Oh, okay. It's delicious. Go out, find a supermarket, 
I found it in Colorado. You can probably find it anywhere. All right. It's on my list. Andrew, what do you have? I have three picks today. I'm going to pick Princess Cake. I've mentioned it a couple times. Uh, mm. it's, it's Swedish Swedish cake. I don't I don't actually know really what's in it, but it's wrapped in green marzipan. Uh, so it's it's this either off-putting or cool-looking green, depending on your perspective, <laughs> sometimes with flowers on top. I think it's delicious, and they often, but not always, seem to have it at Ikea because it's Swedish. So I'm, it's not a particularly amazing rendition of it, but it's available at Ikea. Uh, so that's my first pick, my marzipan pick. My second pick, I feel like I've picked before, but I couldn't find it in the show archive, so I'm going to pick it again. And that is, if I if I picked it before, and that is the PyDP8 because of mine arrived today. I got a knock. Oh my gosh, that's like a PDP eight. Yeah, so it's a it's a I think a half a one half scale replica of the PDP eight. The PDP eight was my first. Oh wow. Yeah. Uh, oh my gosh. I have to look this up right now. It's about hundred and fifty bucks. It's a handmade kit. A guy in the Netherlands makes it. And you put you build it yourself, which is it's not a huge um it's not a a super hard build. It's just a lot of switches and LEDs that go on the front panel. And then you put a Raspberry Pi in it and run a PDP-8 emulator. Although I I think somebody's working on an FPGA emulation of the actual hardware, but I'm not sure that's done yet. And you have yourself a replica of the PDP-8 complete with switches and lights and all of that. And, and I love some of the, some of the computers in the PDP series are, I think the most beautiful looking computers anybody's ever made. They're, they use, they're colorful and full of lights and switches and just look amazing. So he's working on a PDP 11 replica as well called the PDP 11. I'm very eager to get that when it comes out. So I remember with the PDP 11, you had to enter the boot signal, the boot sequence in with these actual levers. Yeah. So if it ever crashed, you had to go to the side of the machine, you know, kind of crouch down. And we had, you know, this, this, paper taped to the side of the machine so you would know which which sequence to put in on all these different levers so that the, th- the machine would boot up yeah isn't that cool it was so incredibly amazing you just felt like a god doing that <laughs> right so that these replicas have all the switches and lights that you need to do that i'm actually going to say i had a third pick but i'm going to save it for next week so those oh. all right gee what is your pick since we are talking about desserts and stuff, I'm going to pick the best dessert in the world, which is Brigadeiro, which is a Brazilian dessert. And I'm pretty sure you can find it in the U.S. or anywhere else because it's very popular. And it's made with condensed milk, cocoa powder, butter, and chocolate sprinkles. So it's basically a, a ball of chocolate, delicious chocolate. It looks amazing. I just looked it up online, and I know I have seen these in the U.S. There, if you take a look at the picture, I think that most people would recognize it. But it's also called Brazilian fudge balls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's very good. Yum. That sounds amazing. So my goal for next week is to find some marzipan and eat it. The brigadeiro. Oh, that does look, that does look good. The Brigadero. So I got one pick. I for the past couple of years, every once in a while, a, a video of Sturgill Simpson, the uh, music artist, and his band will show up, and he's got an awesome band that he plays with. And a friend of mine forwarded me his set at the Bonnaroo Music Festival in Tennessee a few weeks ago, a month ago. 
And it was pretty amazing. So I, I should listen, see what this guy's doing. So I went and dug into Sturgill Simpson's, uh, uh, his records. He's got three records out, and they're all pretty good. The first two sound a lot like Waylon Jennings, if you're into the old country music, um, like I am. And I'm listening to it. I'm like, even the steel player sounds like Ralph Mooney, who was who was Waylon's player. And it turns out he hired one of Waylon's later steel players as the guy. So if you're into Waylon Jennings and you haven't heard any new albums from him in, in a long time because he hasn't been around in a while, um, the first two Sturgill Simpson albums fit the bill pretty well. Uh, third one stretches out a little bit, a little more gospel, a little more blues, but uh, good stuff. I think all over, good songs. and it, It's just odd for me to be singing praises about people that come out of Nashville because it's been so long since they've produced very good <laughs> and musicians to be that clear, I care about. This is not the one who has the marionette named Madam, right? I do not believe so. The marionette named Madam. Wasn't that... What was that? Oh, Simpson. There we go. Anyway, that's my pick. Sturgill Simpson. Good stuff if you like the country music. Um, so that's our show for today. We talked about marzipan, we talked about apps, we talked about desserts. It's been fantastic. And we'll see you all next week. Thanks. Talk to you guys next week. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.